welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Different Conversations. I am your host, Shannon, and I have joining me today, Mrs. Yasmira Imofor. Hello, everyone. Hi, Yasmira. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad it's Tuesday, but I'll be better when it's Friday. <laughs> oh my goodness how's everything going thank you first of all for joining and um accepting my request to come on the pod and talk about grief and phobias today no yeah. not grief i'm sorry phobias and what did we say Look at trauma. and trauma yes oh my goodness yes 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 thank you so much for that of course. Yeah, I think that um, our community and marginalized communities could really benefit from just knowing more information about um, trauma specifically and right phobias. And we rarely talk about phobias, even though it's pretty prevalent everywhere you go. You're right. Can you introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um well, I am a licensed professional counselor and also a certified substance abuse counselor as well. Um, I have been in the field for about over 10 years. I have my own private practice, Ooh. Reclaim Resiliency Therapeutic Services. Okay. Um, it's a virtual practice, so I see people primarily online. Okay. And I've been doing that for this is my second year, so I'm really excited that yeah. I've been able to serve the community on my own for going on another year. So what made you choose it to be a virtual practice instead of in person? Well, I was in person uh, for a little while, and I tried that out, and so uh-huh. now I'm just trying virtual. Okay. Okay. Is it the same? Would you say you're getting the same effect or the clients are getting the same effect? I definitely think the clients are getting the same effect. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 So, um, what, as first of all, let's talk about, well, how, first, how did you get into, um, counseling? What made you, was this something you always wanted to go to school for or how did you, how did that come about? Oh, (laughs) very long story short, uh, I took a intro to psychology class my senior year of high school, and Uh I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I used to want to be a psychiatrist, but um, chemistry and biology weren't my friend in college. Yeah. And so I decided to switch my major to psychology, and I continued to do really well in it. I was like, Okay. okay. Right. Well, that's what I wanted to do is in the same vein um, and take less time. Gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you said you've been in the field for over 10 years now. Yes. What have you seen? I know it's uh, <laughs> been a big shift. Uh, I know you've noticed all the changes that's happened within the last 10 years or even five years. Um, what is what would you say is most challenging right now today what we're facing um I still believe like in our community um mental health continues to be a challenge just getting the overall buy-in okay um we 
still have a ways to go, even though in general it's more accepted. Right. Um, and I think that overall, black people now know that they can access it and get therapists that look like them. Yeah. One of the big concerns I heard over and over again, which was a barrier to people, uh, people of color specifically, entering into the therapeutic space is like, I don't want to tell white people my business, right? Right. Like, right. We're not doing that. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I understood, right? So, thank yeah. you. Please, like, okay, I think I can do this. Like, I need this. And right. this person will understand. So, hopefully, I will get what I need from this experience. Absolutely. Um, and then I would even say we have come a long way as far as it being a really big stigma with getting mental health um, help. Um, would you say that that part has gotten a little better with starting to break barriers as far as that, like people are more accepting of the help? Yes, but okay. I still think that accessibility, uh, specifically with therapists, is really still challenging for our community overall. Okay. And would you say that's like more so due to lack of insurances? What, what? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so t- talk to us. What, first of all, what is a phobia and um, like what does that look like? So phobias are characterized usually by an intense or an irrational fear of a specific object or situation or activities. Like a fear of heights, which would be an example of more like a situation. Specific objects would be animals or insects um, or activities would be like swimming Mm -hmm. or afraid of water. Water. Yeah. Water. While trauma results from exposure to distressing or life threatening events. Okay. Mm Okay. Okay. So you work with individuals that suffer from both of them, obviously. Yeah. Um, What, as far as, I guess, in our community, do you see more phobias in with, I guess, Black people? Swimming. Really? Water? Don't want to get hair wet. Don't want (laughs) to put head in the water. Uh, (laughs) Side note, I used to be a lifeguard. Okay. It's pretty much like you don't even see black people come to pools in large numbers. And I, I know I recognize and realize like that's also because of racism, right? And segregation. Um, so like access is an issue. Um, dog phobias. Yeah. Animals. Yeah. Yeah. Insects. Definitely. Right. So, um, fear of heights. Those are some common ones that a lot of people struggle with if you want to take it back a little bit even further um the one about the irrational fear of like insects and bugs we as black people in our schools are not exposed to certain things like when you go into the white schools or predominantly you know white schools they get more exposure to different things and would you Mm. say that have played a part into this Oh, absolutely. The, you know, lack of exposure to even outdoor areas, right? Being able to put our feet on the ground. Right. And all the little critters that run around there. Yeah. Yeah. So just having like some appreciation for that. Right. Also plays a part like 
having the instinct to want to destroy it is instead of like, oh, we're <laughs> in their area and right, like, home, like yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy. Um, I know I was exposed to like I had to go to Girl Scouts camp when I was little, and of course then I didn't like it. But I I, I enjoyed it once I got there, but yeah. I would be gone for like two weeks at a time, and it was only just you know during the summer months. It was for two weeks, and yeah. that was a long time when you're not used to being away from your parents. However, we did so many activities such as swimming and canoeing and yeah you know it, it it exposed us we uh slept outdoors and so we didn't have a choice but to be exposed to nature and different insects and animals and all kind of stuff yes i so, too was a girl scout i too uh-huh. was <laughs> close the door close the door so exactly what could be done um, to kind of bridge that gap to help us get over some of our uh, phobias and do we even do you run into a lot of even African Americans who want to get over it like or are they just accepting it of how it is um I actually don't run across a lot of African Americans that want to even address it. Okay. Um, I have a couple. Okay. Um, usually for phobias, um, the treatment is exposure therapy. So that means like literally what we were talking about, if you're mm-hmm. afraid of bugs. Yeah. And we talk about like what happened. Like if you obviously got bit by a spider, right? Yeah. You're, you know, whenever you see a spider, you might have um, a physiological reaction, right? Yeah. So you might, or like fight, flight, or fight, right? So, yeah. Yeah. You might just freeze, or. I knew of a person who was so afraid of like roaches. Like, um, and I don't know. I mean, it was. I would say it was irrational only because like they didn't want you to choose sunflower seeds around them because they felt like it reminded them of roaches. Oh no. That yeah, <laughs> like to me, I felt like that was a little extreme, but it's like okay. yeah, right. It yeah, is maybe it is. but you know, maybe she had a bad experience with it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. Um phobias can actually develop as a re- as a result of traumatic experiences. For instance, like an individual who had a bad experience with roaches, maybe she woke up and one was on her face. Like, right, oh, right. Mother, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, the association arises because tra- the traumatic event can lead to the conditioning of fear responses. Wow. And that can cause the brain to associate the traumatic event with specific cues, like you're saying sunflowers or stimuli, which would be sunflowers, if that still makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So when we start talking about trauma, um, and I hate to separate, uh, you know, black from white, but that's pretty much what we're dealing with anyway. Would you say that white people traumas or totally different from black people traumas or is it 
do you ever see where it looks like the same and it's just addressed differently? Um, black people and white people have trauma probably at the same rate. Okay. I will say that black people have a higher likelihood of experiencing trauma. Okay. Um, because of our place in society, right? So Yeah. Additionally, white people probably have more resources to deal with it at a faster rate. Right. So. Gotcha. They're going to get the help they need. They're going to recognize it like, oh, no, you know, uh, we were in a horrible car accident and we saw somebody get killed. Uh, Body needs to go to counseling where black people will be like, we witnessed somebody get killed and um, we going to pray about it. See how this goes (laughs) for a little minute. Right, right. If it becomes unmanageable or people like start freaking out or we can't get in the car, like, you know, there has to be more compounded things sometimes for us to be like, hey, this is too much. Um, We need to do something different. What we're doing is not working. I wonder if that's where, um, because they did, I remember some people, I don't know if it was an article I read, but it was something to where some white people felt like black people can handle more or can deal with more or didn't necessarily have pain. I can't quite. Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the lie. (laughs) Yeah. People can handle pain better. It's a medical lie too. Um, it's also why black people don't get pain medicine at the same rate. But um, mm, mm, mm. really, it's not that, right? It comes down to resources. So if this same family wants a black therapist, it might be harder for them to get into a black therapist, right? That's true. And so, again, then it goes back to, well, I don't want to tell white people my business. Right. So they have, they like, black people... You know, Latinos, uh, people of color might have to suffer longer because they might not have insurance necessarily. Um, other factors take place. We're also like more of a family, like we have stronger family ties. So what other right. people say in our family might matter more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and have okay. an impact yeah. on us seeking treatment. Um and it could be unhealthy treatment. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so that's why I'm saying like the resources. The now, resources. before you opened your private practice, of course, you've worked at like, I'm sure, uh, I know I've known you from our, <laughs> we worked together. What was the challenge there? Because you had it where you're able to get, bring our community to help. It was right at their fingertips. Some of them had, um, even if you didn't have insurance, you know, they worked it out times where you could be seen. What was the biggest challenge when you finally do get it, get the resources in the community, um, such as like therapy services, the psychiatrist? Then what happens? What's the problem now? It's the same thing. People don't show up. So people also need support when they're struggling with mental health, right? So also at a community level, if they don't have help, if they don't have a ride, if they don't even have somebody they can say like, hey, I'm seeing a therapist to support them to go. 
So all of these things, and sometimes like um, buying from doctors was difficult, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There were other, there are other challenges as well. Like sometimes if you have, you know, something really serious happen, you might have developed depression or anxiety and right. like you might need to be on medications. And then that's also <laughs> oh. another story about like getting meds right. to, you know, be able to get treated, if that right. makes sense. Like, <laughs> good sense. Um, I'm just trying to kind of think a little bit. What would you say? Um, to the person who's out there debating if they should get some type of therapy for their trauma that they've experienced. Um, and of course it's become unmanageable. It's affecting their lives now. And they um, they just have this big question like, should I seek therapy or would it really help at this point in my life? Like, what would you tell that person? I would tell them if you have tried anything else or if if you just want to try it out, you know, you there's also I forgot to say this there's also EAP so sometimes when people don't have insurance they can really go to their jobs and see if they offer employee assistance programs and right. that's the other way the black community does not utilize resources for mental health right so I just want to say that before I forget um, so that's what I would say like if you want to try it out you don't want to spend any money or money is a concern for you try your EAP right go yeah. to school, behavioral health you can literally like try this on you can see you can ask questions to the therapist you the most important thing about therapy is like finding a good fit so yeah. ask questions of the person that you want to see specifically for black people if you right. do have to see a white therapist and have a very difficult fi- time finding a person of color then I encourage you to ask that white therapist on the intake like when you're on the phone with them what are you doing to be anti-racist how do you like because I can't come in here and explain myself every time yeah yeah (laughs) that's not my job and I'm not gonna do it so how are you what are your plans to be do you go to trainings like right see you know um how do you put social justice and practice into your therapy like ask those questions wow 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 what are your thoughts on police officers having social workers I know they had did a pilot in the city of St. Louis at one point in time and it may still be going on I'm not sure but um, where they had the social workers coming along with them for like non-violent offenses or calls okay yeah, okay. I think that it can really change uh, public safety if yeah. it is implemented on a regular basis. Right. Um, because sometimes the the behavior, the acting out, all of these things, you might be depressed. You might have anxiety. You might be triggered to the, like, you have PTSD and you don't even know it. You're so angry and you're right. constantly triggered and, like, you just explode. So... I think it's great because those types of things lead to other can lead to other people getting hurt sometimes, right? But they just really need like to talk to somebody on a regular basis to figure out like what's going on and somebody's a connected dots for them. Right. 
And you know what? Now that I'm sitting here thinking, therapy actually, the introduction just needs to start in elementary school almost. Maybe of even take this point. Because no, uh, no, I worked in elementary school. Elementary school is right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I remember, I can remember vividly, we had one social worker for the whole mm-hmm. school. I was in elementary school and I never saw him one time. I really think it should be, of course, based on, you know, the student's need because the need, of course, right now is so in demand. But even back then, even if he could have made an introduction to each classroom and said, hey, this is what I'm here for. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, when I was in the elementary school, I had, you know, kids come and see me all the time. Their wow. parents signed it. Their, uh, the school counselor referred them to me. And uh-huh. I see them. Now, one time, um, a child had made a very serious threat. And the child had been in counseling before. Uh-huh. Uh, the child had made a suicidal threat. and But the parent, like, said, oh, it's okay. You don't have to come. So that's what I mean when I say getting buy-in. Mm. <laughs> so kind of like elementary school like your child made a suicidal threat and you don't want them to see that. you right. like but I understand too where the parent was coming from because you don't want to force anybody to do mental health treatment so I also understand that but uh and why children don't know best <laughs> that's a, the a perception that you really should and encourage I know not for some of course you can't make nobody do nothing they don't want to do but sometimes people don't recognize that there's really a bigger problem that they face now exactly and so yeah but that's that's the thing right we I don't know what messages that child was receiving about mental health treatment right if the child was forced before um and the counselor was like horrible you know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. The counselor could have been very punitive with the child, and so the child's like, "Oh, mm-mm. I'm, I'm not willing to give any counselor another chance." Wow. So, yeah. And I, the child could have went and told the parent that. So, but that's what I mean. Like, just call and talk to the counselor. Like, if you have those concerns, my child had this experience. Like, ask some questions. Do you remember the DER program? Yes, I do. We had war. <laughs> we are responsible. So I'm just like, at that point in time, I don't know what the funding is like now, but back then it was real. That was almost like therapy. Like they told you what to do in certain situations if somebody mm-hmm. offer you drugs. Like to me, that was a form of therapy. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, these are life cues to tell me what to do next if something like we did I remember acting out different situations and you know it was just really really good and I feel like the black community is really suffering because we don't get things like that anymore Like I think we do I think it's just underutilized because um, I was a counselor in several schools right uh huh that's true you know, so yeah they 
I feel like to some extent the school has to have like a bigger buy-in like what is the expectation like you said going to every room so and then this is might get a little bit even deeper here I'm not gonna hold you but when a kid come to school and smell like weed like uh. what it, shouldn't that be like an automatic referral not a punitive action but like an automatic referral for counseling like let's get this parent in here because we need to address this issue like they sent out I remember uh, at my kids old school they sent out a letter to all the parents of course because they didn't want to single anyone out and like why not address that issue head on that's, that's a huge issue yeah it you know what I'm saying yeah but that's the thing like (laughs) a lot of people America does not address their substance abuse issues right so recently it was found that um there was an increase in people dying of alcoholism wow guess how many people I see for alcoholism how many few you said not what very, very, very few. Mm. Because with drugs and alcohol, though, you kind of have to be a willing participant to say, I'm ready to be helped. Like Usually drugs and alcohol are used to cover up trauma, are used mm. to cover up mental health issues. There we go. Bingo. <laughs> there we go. So you you kind of have to dig and pull back those layers and figure out, hey, I this is something a little deeper. Exactly. And what are you willing to do about it? I mean, it's really about taking back your life, right? Because you lost so much, probably. Yes, Mary, you make it sound so simple, but it's when you get into like the lives of these people and you see what's going on in some of these homes like have you been into a like a home where you had to step foot and see like a a oh. broken home you can tell like it started with the parent with the grandparent all of that yeah and it's generational there no, we go. I used to do in home like case management <laughs> okay so did you have to take the kids out the home no okay no. okay <laughs> I worked mostly with adults when I did case management okay so, but they had kids so, <laughs> wow. Oh, have you ever saw a parent and a child? Have I seen a parent and a child? Like, well, I guess you could do therapy with uh, them together. I have not seen a parent and a child. Okay. okay. I've seen like siblings, um, but not a parent and a child. Do you do marriage counseling at all? No. No. Okay. So only individualized, um, working with individuals with trauma. Do you do depression, anxiety? Yep. I do depression, anxiety, trauma, phobias, um, like life transitions, grief. Can you give us a little bit of statistics? Like um, when people come to you depressed or anxious, um, as far as that PHQ-9, for those of you all who don't know what it is, it's a screening tool uh-huh. that behavior health professionals use on um, people to see I guess where, where your level of sadness is yeah depression for for the PHQ yeah it 
it screens for depression. So can you, have you seen it where, uh, basically I'm asking you your su- success stories versus somebody uh, don't get counseling. Oh, I have several. Well, okay. primarily for my first year, um, I worked with this young lady um, and she had a trauma. And I usually, for her, for trauma treatments, specifically for sexual assault, um, I use cognitive processing therapy. And that is like going through certain themes, um, exploring certain things like safety, trust. Um, These themes are usually compromised when um, trauma happens and people see the world differently. Right. explore these things and she and I saw this person weekly and she did really really well and she was able to go on she understood at the end like so the the whole hope is for cognitive behavioral I mean cognitive processing therapy is to understand like what happens right you are not to blame, right? Because a lot of times with trauma, people believe that it's their fault. They think that I should have, I call it, they have the case of the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's- I should have done this, I should have done that. Um, right. So, my whole aim is to get them to see and understand, like, no, actually, the person that committed this trauma, right, or had a part in it, Mm-hmm they hold sole responsibility for their behavior. Right. And they were broken themselves as well. mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's always my goal. Usually my patients, my clients come to understand that by the end of therapy. And another thing is like accepting people for who they are to some extent in the background. Like Sometimes their parents caused them issues or how the parent responded when they got told about the trauma. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Just, like, helping people with that as well. Because sometimes that matters a lot, like... Oh, it definitely And they say, oh, this happened. But sometimes if the trauma, the parent's trauma is not addressed, they cannot respond appropriately to the child's trauma. There we go. So then it's kind of like a mess. Yeah. (laughs) Is the best way to describe that. Yeah. So that's what happens too. (sighs) I just thank God for people like you because (laughs) world, like I don't even know how it would look like without a, without therapy. I have a life coach um therapist I've talked to you plenty of days uh yeah (laughs) you know I have to process this like at at the end of the day if you don't come home and like analyze your day and really pinpoint what took place Mm -hmm. you could be really causing some things or missing some things because you didn't like go over your day or or your week you know I don't know Mm -hmm. I it. call it taking inventory. There we go. That part. Mm-hmm. I call it taking inventory. Like, check in with yourself. Like, why are you feeling like this? Did there you we- did you really have a bad day or did you have a bad moment? And you're making it a bad day. See, those two different things. That part. See. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, how can people reach you, Yasmira, if they... Are you taking new clients? I am indeed. 
Okay, how can they reach you? What's your phone number? So you can reach me at my phone number is 314-643-8711. Mm-hmm. Um, and my email address simple reclaim resiliency at gmail.com. I'm writing it down too. And it, my website is reclaim resiliency now.com slash VR therapy because for phobias I uh, specialize in doing virtual reality ther- therapy I'm like one of, probably one of the one the only uh, virtual reality therapist in Missouri that helps people with their phobias using VR therapy so if you're interested in that regardless of where you are in Missouri um, okay yeah come see me what type of insurance do you take? I take most insurances. Okay. Um, I don't take Medicare. I do take um, Home State Health. Okay. So that's so, a Medicaid program, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a Medicaid program. But I take okay. most insurances. So Anthem, um, United Health, Cigna. Oh. I also take some EAPs as, as well. As far as the Medicaid, do you only do Home State or do you do the other two as well? I only do home state. Home state, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I and don't take Medicare though, unfortunately. You don't take Medicare at all. Just for uh, FYI, for everyone, uh, uh-huh. licensed professional counselors will be finally able to take Medicare in 2024. We could so not you- take it because the federal government prohibited us from taking it, and finally through efforts of the ACA lobbying because at first only psychologists and social workers could take Medicare but now we're finding there he is <laughs> wow yes wow. like I was like we are federally unable any any LPC that's taking Medicare can't do it <laughs> wow okay so you also take cash too right oh yes definitely okay. cash <laughs> double card cash app yeah yeah because people you know some people pay cash for their therapy that makes sense yeah and i also do sliding scale so i make therapy accessible for people so um yeah just call me and we can probably work something out okay so if you what is your last takeaway and um do you mind closing closing us out in prayer um (laughs) My last takeaway is where's giveaway, I'm sorry. (laughs) My last giveaway? Yeah. If you had to Hmm. My last I I guess my last giveaway is um don't let phobias and trauma stop you from living your best life. Okay. I like that. (laughs) I like you you can reclaim your resiliency and live your best life. I love your name too. I love it. I love it. Wow. How did you come up with that? My mommy helps me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, pray us up out of here. I appreciate you for your time and thank you for sharing all this information with us, Miss Yasmira. It has been a pleasure this evening. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes, yes. And this will not be your last time, honey. We're going to take 
for stuff to talk about. <laughs> Just so you know. Indeed. Um, closing out, dear Lord, please um, give us enough resiliency to go through every day. Give us your lights and blessing as we go through our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I love it. Thank you so much, Yasmira. All right. Thank you, Shannon. Have a better day. All right. Have a good night. Bye.